Hello, hello. This is Asad J. Malik from Jadu. I just recorded a lovely podcast. We had a really wonderful conversation talking about augmented reality and the future of NFTs and engagement with the physical world. It was a great conversation. You know, hear about jetpacks and hoverboards and all kinds of retro futurism coming your way. Thank you. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. And today's episode recorded right from NFT NYC features Asad J. Malik, the CEO of Jadu. Asad launched Jadu in 2020 to make high quality, lifelike AR accessible to all with a smartphone, introducing millions of people to AR through musical holographic performances, working with musicians and icons like Serena Williams, Lil Nas X, Josh Richards, Pussy Riot, and more. Acid was named one of Variety's 10 innovators to watch, Rolling Stone's Future 25, Forbes 30 Under 30, and Adweek's Young Influentials, and also made the Independence Filmmakers to Watch list. He now sits on the board of trustees for Bennington College as a recent graduate. Jadu is a platform combining magic and technology to architect the mirrorverse, an intersection of the metaverse and physical world. Asad, welcome to Edge of NFT. Thank you. What an introduction. <laughs> hey, man, we're, we've been pumped about, about this meeting. And, you know, we're here in Margaritaville, for, for those of you listening. Margaritaverse, as we wanted to yeah. call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're turning it into, I'm sure, did Jimmy Buffett trademark that yet? I don't know. I don't Let's know, but it. we heard from Asa's team that Jimmy Buffett likes NFTs too. So I think it's an appropriate location. I think he would be excited to find out that we're filming this podcast today. But no, in all honesty, man, we're, we're pumped about what you're doing since the moment we got an email from your team. You wanted to like hang out with us for like... Yeah, I mean, we've had Decentraland on the show and, you know, we've talked about metaverses a lot and, and you've come up with a really, really unique concept here that, you know, sold out in lightning fashion and, and more importantly, that has held value and, and shown real utility. How did this idea come about? Yeah, so, you know, we've been doing augmented reality for a number of years. Um, I think it's been around five years and, you know, we've been exclusively doing AR Back when I started, AR, VR is how people would talk. They would just say AR, VR. Everything was AR, VR. We have never touched VR. We, we don't work in VR at all. We kind of insisted that AR is a medium on its own. It has its own unique properties. And, you know, what you can achieve with it is very different from what you can achieve with VR. So for the last five years, we've been kind of really focused on augmented reality. And really, like, uh, our obsession with it started at a point where it didn't really exist. People didn't really know what AR was at that time. There were a bunch of enterprise use cases, but you know, AR as a creative medium wasn't really like a thing that existed. Now it does because of Snapchat and Instagram and filters. People are familiar with AR, but they're also familiar with very a very limited kind of idea of what AR is. And we didn't start from those limitations. We started from a very kind of limitless idea of this, you know, being able to augment rea- reality. So, you know, Jetpacks, it's a, it's a long story, right? Like it's been five years of one project after the other, learning from the previous project, you know, moving on, iterating. But the way we landed on Jetpacks 
recently was, you know, we pretty much pivoted our company to be more Web3 centric. There were various factors that kind of went into that taking place. And, you know, for number one, it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, the story, my exposure to NFTs is that, you know, Mac Boucher, who's on our team, he released the Grimes NFT on Nifty Gateway earlier this year that did $6 million in like an hour. And suddenly we were like, okay, well, you know, we've been searching for a business model for AR and nothing has really made sense. You know, um, I think a native Web3 company is a company that never had a business model in Web2. So since we could never find a Web2 business model, you know, we were excited that maybe there's something here. And then I was actually directing my first music video for Pussy Riot and we were going to release it and we just very kind of spur in the moment. We were like, okay, we're going to release it on YouTube, but what if we also release it as an NFT? And we ended up doing that. And on YouTube, it made uh, $50 and as an NFT, it made half a million dollars. And so <laughs> we're like, okay, well, there is, you know, we, we have to explore this further. And, you know, I think over the last like five, six, seven months, uh, NFTs transition from being, oh, like we're making some art and selling this to some rich people because they somehow find some value in this token to now like 90% of my own net worth is just in, you know, images of animals. <laughs> and so, you know, kind of seeing that whole transition, you know, as a company that's been trying to build an AR platform and really we're competing with, you know, the Microsofts and Magic Leaps of the world that are building hardware and our billion dollar companies building hardware who are great at what they're doing building hardware, but are really like not culturally aligned with anything. Well, I, I got to say, I mean, interoperability is a challenge in space and a, a common topic, but you managed to make Jadu compatible with 40,000 different avatars, if I'm reading this correctly, MeBits, Fluffs, CyberKongs, Chibi Apes, Voids. These are projects that, you know, are beloved, right? How did you pull that off? Well, you know, basically four or five months ago, we kind of, I bought a MeBit and that was the night where I was like, okay, you know, like, what do I do with this? You're, you're supposed to do things with this. Like people are building stuff, but well, what, no one's building anything in AR. Why don't we try to see what we can do with a MeBit in AR? It's a win-win, right? Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I'm like, I, I got to justify the fact that I spent three ETH on this asset. So it's just like, <laughs> let's, 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 you know, like get that value. So we started playing with it and we started kind of playing with this idea of a playable avatar and started receiving, reaching just really good results. It felt very natural. AR, we always treated you, the player, was like, you know, you were the character, right? Like you didn't need another character to be engaging with your world. That was counterproductive to what AR was achieving on its own. But it felt good. It felt good. It felt tangible. It didn't feel gimmicky. The characters are now running into walls and they're, you know, like they can understand space more and more over time. They can use LiDAR. They can go down the staircase. So the use case started to feel pretty solid. And the idea was, okay, well, let's build a platform where we can bring all these avatar collections that are clearly going to have to be in 3D soon and make them playable avatars and then give them further items that they can use to do other things with and make the items. And so with that in mind, we're like, okay, what is a cool item we can make? And, you know, the jetpack was kind of, you know, initially we, we didn't think this is going to be the genesis item to our world and, you know, this big deal. It was just, oh, let's make some jetpacks for some avatars and, you know, make a collection out of that. And obviously the whole process took a month or so. And then, you know, when we were finally ready to put it out, it just ended up becoming a much bigger deal than we initially were thinking of it as. So the jetpacks are just like a really interesting horizontal item. They're not a primary item. They give 
additional utility to existing assets and they also kind of put various assets on a unifying like unified playing field and they kind of represent the app right now because you can still use the app without the jetpack it's just if you have a jetpack you're kind of natively tied to the app in a certain way and you're kind of natively tied to its success so that's that's kind of how we landed on jetpack and we were talking about you mentioned the the microsoft's of the world the magic leaps of the world that are going to be bringing and are already bringing hardware in into play and i feel like that is a major going to be a major inflection point when it's something that's accessible and usable but we're not there yet when I mean, we're not really close at the moment i don't think there's this interim step where we have our phones right this amazing you know processing capability here and you have your app and you've made updates to that and you're continuing to do really cool things with it. And you're releasing, uh, I guess, version 4.0 of the app now. Uh, tell us about what that looks like, what's different, what can users expect? So, you know, our history is actually from uh, film festivals. That's really where our AR started from, Tribeca, Sundance. You know, we were taking projects to festivals where people would wear HoloLens or Magic Leap headset and have like a very immersive kind of experience. We would build sets, we would have live actors, we would make holograms. So, you know, we were coming from this like very expansive idea of what we thought AR could be. And, you know, if you asked me a couple of years ago and people asked me a couple of years ago, and I always insisted that we don't want to do mobile AR. Like the whole point of doing AR is to move away from mobile phones because, you know, it's a, looking at your palm at a flat rectangle doesn't feel like the most intuitive way of engaging with all this information. So that was kind of the whole point. But, you know, two years ago when after having done a lot of these festival experiences, we were like, OK, you can't really develop a medium without having an audience. Um, the whole, you know, it's more important. Like, do we want to spend the next three, four years like in a lab making interactions for headsets that no one's going to use or do you want to spend the same time actually making things that we can culturally and socially understand what this medium should do what people want it to do how it's going to operate so the mobile thing just kind of became important at that time and over the last year and a half we were a very specific app we were basically doing realistic holograms of various celebrities that you could record videos with and the intention wasn't because we love celebrities or because we love TikTok videos, you know, like nothing to do with it. But you do. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, like uh, the main thing was what can we offer on mobile AR that Snapchat and Instagram cannot offer right now? You know, realistic holograms, like we knew that's going to blow people's mind, that people are going to have strong reactions to that. So that's what we started doing. And we kind of like figured out a good model where it's pretty expensive, but we figured out a way where it would just be expensive enough that we could pull it off. And, you know, we got to Lil Nas X, who ended up having like the biggest song in the world. With, and, you know, we had a hologram with it and we ended up being kind of top 30 apps on the App Store. So we were doing really well. We had raised $2 million, you know, not a huge chunk or anything, but we had enough capital to get going. Um, so now we're kind of stuck in the middle because we've transitioned from that model, but the app is still half that app. So now this is not announced yet, but we've actually, we're in the midst of closing a pretty significant seed round that is going to let us grow our team very significantly over the next, you know, five, six months. I want to be at like 40 people or 50 people in like roughly a year. And our attention now is going to like really building a world scale AR platform, which is really where we're trying to take the app. We're essentially... You have your jetpacks and hoverboards and you're going around the world collecting assets that are all NFTs, similar to Pokemon Go. So you're finding different hotspots, you're going to a location and you're minting on location and then you're trying to see what you find. And then all of that stuff gets traded on OpenSea. So it's kind of 
play to earn in the sense that you find assets in the physical world. Dude, yeah, there's so much. We've talked about it, the the nature of like treasure hunts, geocaching, like that world. There's so much fun in there and NFTs are ripe for it, but very few folks have done anything to tap into that, like passion that people have for that kind of thing. This sounds exactly up the alley. I'm, of what I'm we just were trying thinking. to figure out, Ethan, are you a hoverboard guy or are you a jetpack guy? <laughs> <laughs> It's a good question. Actually, it's it's interesting uh, to bring that up the topic of the hoverboards. You know, I mean, look at I look at watching Back to the Future, right? Back in when did that come out in the eighties or early nineties or something like that? We're still holding on to so many sort of. I love this term. Um, I feel like my friends and I came up with it independently to describe our college band, retro future, right? But but there's this kind of idea, these ideas that you are. You guys retro. did not come up with retro future. I think we might have actually. I do think we might have. <laughs> you come make up a claim? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I, I, cool. I think it's All pretty right. strong. It's pretty strong. This was back. This was back in probably 2002 or something like that, right? I mean, this is not. This is not just recently. Anyways, we love the term. That's right? a good and name for a band too. Yeah, we we called our music retro future music, and then our friend released an album and called it retro future music a few years later, and we were kind of upset. But anyways, that's totally aside from the point. What I want to bring in here is, you know. Back to the Future, you know, the DeLorean, the hoverboards, all these things that sort of inspired pe- people's magical versions of the future. If we've had, you know, famous technologists say, like, I want my hoverboard. Where's my hoverboard? And yeah. I think you're bringing us at least one step closer to that with the hoverboards. I mean, can you tell us about the collection coming out and, you know, yeah. the conceptualization around that? What you're the excited num- about? The, why did you choose the number you did? Like 555? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, we did one, 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 one jetpacks, right? And, you know, the intention with that, obviously, people are using these angel numbers or whatnot, right? Like my birthday is 11th January, so I use a lot of ones and zeros because of that. You know, like, I think it's it's kind of subversing, it's, it's subversive, like, in nature because... You know, how does the traditional world price things? It's usually 299. It's like the 99. The 99 to me represents like just, you know, like you're trying to mislead people. You're trying to make them feel something is cheaper than it is by removing a cent just to get that two instead of the three. It's just everyone knows it's three. You kind of read it as three in your head, but still it's like, you know, the intention behind it is to kind of mess with you in that manner. So by going 111 or 555, it's just like, you know, it's like we're choosing the number because it's fun, because you get to choose numbers, right? Like you get to, you have some leeway in what numbers you choose, and we just want to make them fun. And like fun is more important than the point sent you, you know, like uh, get off to change someone's perception of your product or something, right? So that's kind of the intention. I, I took you in a little segue. I think Ethan's question too is just, like what? What is it about the hoverboards? Like, what? Why hoverboards? And what's the collection all about? They have a sort of uh, aerial, you know, inspiration, just like the jetpacks. Yeah. Well, you know, the jetpacks really. There is this like retro future kind of like nostalgic feel, nostalgic appeal of the future in this weird. If we had kind of NFTs way, like, back in two thousand two, I could prove that I that I invented the term retro future. By the way, anyways, <laughs> I'm sure you're going to be sending us some kind of proof tomorrow or tonight, even. Okay, please do. I, I can assure you that retro futurism existed for the early 2000s. But, <laughs> I um, love this. <laughs> but so, you know, the jetpacks was, you know, you want to do items that are, that can do things that physically are not possible, but you also want items that are somewhat tangible. They're not too magical that they're just like not approachable, right? Like that's kind of how we were thinking about it. So jetpacks, they let you fly. 
So when when we launched them and we saw so much engagement sold out so quickly and the community kind of exploded and there was all this conversation, our first reaction was we need to grow the community. Like we need more holders because having holders actually, you know, uh, once we had it, I think uh, you realize how powerful that is because that's the new model, really. That's like the whole NFT thing. Like it's really that it used to be that you had a company with a team and as the leader of the team, you, you know, had like 20, 30, 40 people working on the, on the U that were kind of working together on a mission that had some kind of familiar feeling with each other and friendships and family and whatnot. And now we're in this position where you have that, but then you have another 800 people that are very tied to you and your success and actually want to help you and want to go out of the way to help you because it's not a product you're buying. There's not an iPhone you're buying or something, right? This is actually an investment in many ways. And it's an investment in the brand. It's an investment in this perceived value that the brand supposedly holds. So we saw that and we thought this is really powerful. So we got to do two things right now. We got to reward these existing holders because when you just launch something and it has a big price for suddenly, you know, what, what sustains it? The only thing that sustains it, that if it stays like that for a moment, at least a couple of weeks, if it stays like that for a couple of weeks, people are like, okay, this is what the value of this asset is. Otherwise, it's all fleeting. We've seen this happen with so many collections that come out and after the reveal just crashes. Like, you know, you know, I won't name names, but right now, like a lot of collections are way under one ETH that were like seven, eight, nine ETH before. So uh, it was really important that, you know, if we have just landed on a collection that suddenly has a big four, it's important that you know, we show some, we show that we can sustain it for a few weeks, at least. So by announcing hoverboards, we basically, you know, announces a, re a reward mechanism for our holders to have in enough incentive to hold, but it's not a random airdrop. It's actually a very high quality thing we're making that's actually more high quality than the jetpacks in many ways, because now we've done it once and we know how to do this better. We're going to make improvements all over the place. So the intention with the hoverboards very, very much was we want a, an item that can do flight, like jetpacks, but it can't overshadow the jetpack. And hoverboards hover over like two feet above the floor or something, they can't go up. They can go sideways and whatnot. They can't fly up like the jetpack can. Only if you have the jetpack and hoverboard together do you get both of those functions. So depending on your mission of the day, you may need your plug, your hoverboard, or your jetpack. Or you could wear both of them together. Oh. Amazing. Yeah. Is there any additional access capability that a jetpack could provide in securing a hoverboard? or is it? Yeah, so every jetpack is going to get a free hoverboard airdrop. So that's kind of how we've structured it. And then on top of that, you know, we have a, a pro-level jetpack that is the black jetpacks. They're going to get an airdrop and one whitelist pod to be able to mint. And then we have this trippy jetpack, which is the ultra rare jetpack. They're going to get three whitelist pods. But everyone's getting the same amount of hoverboards airdropped, but we created different whitelist pods. And that's been very like dramatic. Our community reacted um, strongly to that, or at least... I'm just stressed out, guys, because I thought we had a portfolio management strategy, but now we have to go back to the basics and revisit what what NFTs we're getting tomorrow. It's blown up. <laughs> it's blown up every day. <laughs> you know, this is not fair, man. Like I, I thought we had a plan. Tell us a little bit more about the, the roadmap, and and you know, congrats by the way on on sort of uh, further sort of growing your ecosystem and you know, opening up new possibilities. What are the technology investments you're going to make? What, what else is on the roadmap in, in the future with these uh, 
amazing flying objects and and i'm just i'm really curious like my mind Mm -hmm. is racing right now so you know the kind of ar we're building we like to think of it as object-oriented ar and what i mean by that is things are not compartmentalized into filters every object is an app right the jetpack and hoverboard are both apps that you can use together or without each other you know on their own you can combine it with other items right can a friend hitch a ride yeah actually okay Um, you know, we're, I don't know when this podcast is airing, but, you know, we're one of the hoverboards we've not announced yet is actually a longboard that can fit two people. And so, you know, the way we're doing stats is that so that's a new thing with hoverboards. We're doing actually statistics. So they have speed stats and handling and jump ability. And the way we've we've kind of structured it is the hierarchy isn't as clear as it is for most drops. You have some that are faster than others, but worse in handling. You have the longboard that can, you know, fit two people, but has bad stats. You know, like it's like it's I was kind of the way I was thinking about it. I remember I pulled off an all nighter and I got in bed and I was like, just my mind was racing. And I was like, you know what? When I was 13 in Pakistan, I used to I I got really into guitars and I couldn't really buy an electric guitar because there just weren't music stores in the town that I was in. They were in bigger cities, but they're really expensive and out of reach. Um, so I spent a lot of time on ult- ultimate guitar forums and things like that, just reading like gear reviews and like, you know, gearheads. Like when you get really into a certain thing, you start like talking about like, oh, the maple wood and the humbucker pickups versus like this and that. And the combinations allow for all these like possibilities, but there isn't it, it still depends on preference. It's not so hierarchical, right? So we wanted to build something that had some ability of preference and people could geek out and like go into details and, oh, my hoverboard does this thing and it has this thing like yours, you know, that kind of stuff. So the suite of hoverboards is, has those features in that manner. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But going back to your question about kind of next steps for us, you know, our intention has always been we're, we're, we're building an AR pod. NFTs kind of have become a good way to do it in an insane manner where you know, like uh, our community gets to kind of participate and have ownership in the game that's being built. But, you know, the long-term future, the way I think of it is AR is a very powerful medium because it interfaces with the physical planet. And, you know, like everything that's happening in the metaverse space, it's it's already, you're seeing things like Axie and the wealth distribution and whatnot. But with AR, it's very tangible. We already saw a glimpse of this with Pokemon Go where, you know, like certain parts of town are getting more business or like, Crowds of people are moving from one place to another or people are like getting into car accidents, like all kinds of physical consequences emerge from being able to basically like build, use incentive systems to move people on the physical world. So that's a really powerful tool and a tool that's going to kind of, you know, emerge and kind of further become more intentional over time where companies are going to intentionally be able to affect people's behavior in, in those manners. And we want to do that, but in a community-owned fashion. We think that's the way to do that, you know, where people actually own these assets and are, you know, self-organizing and moving around the physical planet. And that starts to affect some real tangible things like border laws and, you know, like uh, like demand supply of certain transportation. And, like, it just starts to play with the physical world in a very tangible manner. And the way we're building this game world is very much in that way where people actually have a way stronger relationship to the physical world. That's the other thing, right? Like we're, as we're going deeper and deeper into the metaverse and, you know, all these like game worlds and whatnot, um, we need anchors to our physical planet. And this becomes a great way to bring a lot of these metaverse 
assets and inten- incentive systems to motivate people to actually like do more with the world and get out because that's still important, right? Yeah. Yeah, we we talked with Parish Vlatlakar of Superworld oh, and and I think, you know, he's a world traveler. He's been all over the globe himself and I personally and I think we all resonate with this spirit of yeah, we love the idea of the metaverses and, you know, all the things that we can achieve, we can do our, our podcast via Zoom. We started this podcast, you know, remotely, basically, not even having... This is the first, first uh, <laughs> time we've all met. Is, oh, is really? Here. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. But, right? but again, highlighting, you know, the point I'm trying to make here is meeting is something special, you know, and getting in the same physical space and being at a, at a conference like this and, you know, actually connecting and watching. I mean, I saw people literally at one, at one of these NFT parties, I, someone was like giving a toast and almost came to tears at the community they had built, you know, in one of these NFT projects, but being able to be with them also in person and, you know, hang out with them and resonate. So, you know, cheers to this kind of spirit of, yeah, let's do lots of cool stuff with tech, but let's also bring us together in the real world in cool ways yeah man yeah amazing stuff and but we got to ask before we transition to edge quick hitters is, is there a roadmap of like cool shit like jetpacks and hoverboards and so you know what's next let me like just give you one so you know first i'm gonna give a disclaimer which is this is not an official published roadmap this is just me kind of you know telling you what i think the roadmap is right now so you know uh, people often i say something in our town hall and people hold me accountable and i'm like no we never officially publish that so the way we're doing this is we are going to release the hoverboards. Then we're going to be working hard and we're hiring, we're hiring some serious people. We're making hires out of Activision Blizzard and Unity and just like gaming. Honestly, gaming is really key right now. I think, uh, I think product, de- product design and product development is overrated at this point, in my opinion, where you have a thousand engineers sitting in San Francisco optimizing one button. Like, I think that <laughs> era is over. Um, yeah. You know, I think game design is more interesting. There are way more possibilities. And, you know, I think game designers have to do way more. Yeah, with play to earn and, yeah. and sort of avatars. Totally. It's, it's exciting. So it's we're a building total a strong game-oriented team. And next year, next year is basically season one of the Mirrorverse, which is what we call our world, which is essentially the overlap of the physical world and the metaverse. And the intention with season one is that hoverboards and jetpacks are out. And now people are going to go find these other assets all over the planet. And there is a whole storyline to it, which I won't get into right now, but there are all these assets that are popping up in various parts of the world and these hotspots that now players can go to and then try to find them. And it's not just only a map-based game like Pokemon Go, but you actually have more in-app, like kind of in AR gameplay, where you try to basically retrieve these assets from these locations, and the locations are going to pop up all over the world. There are going to be certain, you know, concentration areas where more assets are found. People are going to travel to those areas to try to get them. And as you find these assets, if you have a hoverboard or a jetpack, you actually have a better chance of easily finding more rare assets essentially so by being on a hoverboard jetpack you kind of get a multiplier in season one and uh you know we are very interested in basically setting up a renting marketplace for hoverboards and jetpacks as well which is you know essentially what that entails is that new players that are priced out of jetpacks or hoverboards can rent some from existing holders in order to basically get the same a multiplier and the same value that they're getting in finding these other assets and the way it would be structured is then those other assets become more useful in season two 
So by seeing the people who entered in season zero, which is Jetpack and Hoverboard, succeed in season one, you basically know that you finding these assets in season one will put you in a good position in season two. I also, I love how people can still participate, right? And still get value on whether or not they own these expensive objects. So, you know, it is a, a democracy uh, of sorts and, and people can work their way up to maybe affording um, one of these prized possessions at some point. I think, uh, you know, it's in order for spaces like this to progress and not hit plateaus and slow down, you need enough avenues for newcomers to succeed. You can't compound value for early holders forever. You've got to do it to a certain extent because that's why they're in early, but you can't do it forever. And I think that's, you know, even with Bitcoin, the, now there are like all these other avenues of participating because you can't get the same returns on Bitcoin because the early holders are still the ones who are going to be getting the most compounding value. So by building a game world, you obviously have more control over, you know, like how value is distributed. So the way we're trying to kind of build this is so that you know, even with Jetpacks and Hoverboards, we prior we have a whitelist and people get on the whitelist and there are ways to get on the whitelist. And the whitelist is designed to actually discourage whales. It's just designed to be like, you know, something a normal person like puts in work to keep track of and then goes and plays a game and does the thing so that they can get the thing so they can actually extract and capture most of the value by then selling it. Uh, and the risk is being held by then the whales that are buying, hoping that it's going to appreciate after they've paid already a premium for it, right? So there are these strong like elements of distribution. And especially when you start doing that with the planet, I'm from Pakistan, when a bunch of assets are found in Pakistan, there are not going to be that many NFT holders in Pakistan. But So the assets are going to be way more rare because they're way harder to get to. So when people find those rare assets, they have way more of an opportunity of getting a significant upside when those assets then sell on the secondary market. So it's it's pretty interesting, like what tools it kind of uh, enables. Yeah, sounds like it, man. And I know your roadmap is not set in stone, but I'd like to make a suggestion that we integrate the Mirrorverse with the Margaritaverse and we place <laughs> some sort of special item here on the third floor of the Margaritaverse. I'm, I'm also going to say that Animoca <laughs> brands did agree to put some Edge of NFT race cars into <laughs> their rev racing game. And RIP is totally open for, for you to do whatever you want there with. You if you want to do some Edge of <laughs> NFT flying cars in your in your world or, you know, have a podcast studio, like, or by, all, by all means, you have our verbal permission on, on the air. Beautiful. The Edge of NFT DeLorean. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> this is great, man. Quick hitters? Yeah, let's do some quick hitters. Yeah. So, well, first again, just amazing to hear the story, the origin story, where you're at, where you're going, man. Like special stuff. We talked to a lot of people. This is our 65th episode, I think. And this is right up there, I think, with some of the coolest that uh, we've, we've, we've heard. Yeah, so, awesome stuff. Yeah, man. So Edge Quick Hitters. Fun, quick way to get to know you a little bit better. There's 10 questions. Looking for short, single word or fewer responses, mm -hmm. but totally mm -hmm. feel free to expand if you get the urge, okay? Ready to dive in? Let's do it. Okay, question number one. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? When I, I was actually selling candy to my sister, and I, so actually my grandfather would take me to like a wholesaler to get candy that I would sell more than retail price. To my sister. Oh, so oh my yeah. Keeping um, it. Nice. Wow. All right. That is a true confession of sorts. <laughs> so basically, 
your parents gave your sister an allowance, give you an allowance, and you managed to take her allowance. Like, that's amazing. I was very professional with it. I actually had a physical, like, way system that I I would just want to use it. So I would put the candies on it and a stone (laughs) on the other side just because, you know, aesthetics. That's awesome. I mean, she couldn't get it for uh, any less than retail anyway, otherwise, right? Yeah, you so, did the work. Right? You went Might to the well. store. Yeah, yeah. yeah. can totally bring like that, that convenience to the whole equation. <laughs> Question two. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? I think we covered oh. that. <laughs> What's the first? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, it, it is. It's actually tied. This is the first time we have a, a, yeah. a, an answer that's actually completely linked. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Question three, then. What is the most recent thing you purchased? Jetpack. You go. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so, yeah, I mean, I don't want to expand too much, but like, you know, bots buy jetpacks and like people sell to bots often way under floor. And then the bots start the cycle of listing and relisting and like bring the whole floor down and you have to kill the bots. So I have to do that from time to time. Yeah, you're, um, yeah, you're having <laughs> back. Yeah. yeah. All right, on. Question four then. What is the most recent thing you sold? <laughs> Dude, we had, it's the, the five questions of yeah, Edge Quick. We had, we, had, we had Michael, <laughs> we just had Michael Bramlage from Quid on the show. And he one question was, uh, or one topic he talked about was trying to increase liquidity on their platform. And then when we talked to in Quick Hitters, he said that he, he was needs to talk to you. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so awesome. Question number five What is your most prized possession? Jetpacks. Honestly, not. I mean, I have a 2011 Porsche Boxster that I enjoy very much. And, you know, it's a. I moved to LA and I was like, well, you need a car to drive around in LA. And I was like, okay, what is a car that I can buy that is something I'm not going to be able to buy again? And because I think we're going to have electric cars pretty saturating the market soon. So I was like, well, can I actually indulge in like, you know, the epitome of the 80 years of the gasoline manual car? And I found this like pretty cheap boxer uh, secondhand. I enjoy it very much. And I spend way LA too late, much time like looking yeah. at the cars on Facebook Marketplace, the exotic cars on there, you know, the oldies and everything. So cool. <laughs> Question number six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be? Besides Jetpack. I'm a big Pink Floyd fan. I had my eyes on David Gilmore's guitar box, his touring like box for the guitar that was up at Christie's like a year and a half ago. And the estimated value was supposed to be $2,500. I'm like, dude, <laughs> can I get that? And I ended up selling for $250,000. So I didn't. But I would love, I would love to grab like a, you know, like a, an original like drawing from the wall or something of that nature so, yeah. well, this is like a, this is so like a make a wish there. foundation show. oh my god what's happening here? <laughs> uh, so scott page former sax player for uh pink, pink floyd, floyd and cheap trick and big, others big, big fan of the show listens to our really? podcast all the time we're collaborating with him on some stuff i'm gonna set up uh, a little meeting with us and scott and we'll see what we can do to help he's you been out. collecting he's was touring with pink floyd and collecting moments himself like you know video moments oh. Oh my stuff. And, yeah. and he's, Artifacts, he's releasing, everything. he's going to do a lot of releases and maybe... NFT releases. Yeah, yeah maybe, totally. Maybe we can convince him to do some stuff with you. Yeah, there so, you go. So I, um, I will like buy his NFT if I get like whatever the, <laughs> the corresponding <laughs> item is. Yeah, so keep Scott, an eye out. Scott's probably <laughs> listening and he's like, yes, guys, thanks a lot. <laughs> so we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so we got that one unlocked for sure. Question number seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be? 
I think I'm pretty good with conviction once I like decide on a thing, you know, like it's, uh, I think people can often just not make a decision, you know, be stuck between answers and often, you know, you just got to sit down and like look at the pros and cons and make the decision because then you can just have some conviction and follow through with it. It makes everything easier. So uh, that's, that's what I would say. Question number eight, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? I mean, I don't know if being unhealthy is a personality trait. <laughs> well, what do you mean? That works. Well, yeah. I, I, I definitely have been like kind of pushing my body to the limit recently, kind of crawling out of bed, getting on my desk, crawling back in at like 2 a.m. and just that being my life for the last like while. I can relate. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm definitely like hoping that after I get back from, you know, this conference, like I'm going to get my act together a bit. Well, your eyes are clear. Your skin looks healthy. I think there's, there's, you're, you're still a young entrepreneur. I think you can recover. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, I mean, once again, I don't know if that's, that's not really a personality trait per se, but you know, I, yeah, I think, I think future generations should be healthier. There you go. <laughs> now that works, man. That works. A little easier. Question nine. What'd you do just before joining us on the podcast? Right before coming here, I was at a Time Magazine party with Keith Grossman, who's the president of Time Magazine, who is going to be participating in our round and is just a great friend. I helped Time Magazine kind of enter the NFT space when they sold their first cover. Yeah, so I was there. Great. That's so cool. And then last one, question 10. What are you doing next? I'm going to go to this place called Terminal 5, which is the venue where Dreamverse will be happening tomorrow. And we have a kind of this room we've built kind of a booth in which people are going to be able to see the hoverboard in action for the first time so basically you go in it's a photo booth you kind of stand there and a camera starts recording video and in the video a portal opens in the wall out of which amoeba comes in a hoverboard and just spins around for a while and then goes back and you end up with the video that you get to take wow. with you and so i'm just going to go and make sure the booth is set up we'll locally. record that i'll go uh, check on my hoverboard yeah we'll That's record a task. little <laughs> we'll add that to the show because i certainly am looking forward to participating in that booth for sure amazing. yeah so we'll do the demo there for uh, all the folks that'll catch us on youtube That's amazing where should folks go though if they want to keep track of what you're doing what you're up to all the new projects man I think Discord is honestly like a kind of the social media of choice right now. You know, I was always using Instagram more in my personal life mm -hmm. and Twitter just never really clicked for me. More recently, you know, obviously the space operates in Twitter and Discord. So we've kind of, you know, beefed up our presence. But the Discord server is really lovely. You know, the community is there and people are talking to each other often. And, you know, we do town halls and updates on a very regular basis multiple times a week. So it's, it's definitely the best way to do be a part of the community and you know the whitelist opportunities that we're going to have for hoverboards are going to be available there as well obviously if anyone listening has you know two to three ETH to spare jetpacks you know are out and about and you know as i said that uh, a hoverboard airdrop will be coming for all jetpack holders as well over well the next until week. people see your demo tomorrow we'll see we'll see what happens to that floor yeah that's gonna that's gonna rise quickly and and what what is that discord so people can find it uh so it's it's uh, i think uh, the url is discord.gg slash jadu j-a-d-u okay so pretty straightforward and i think we're gonna be doing a giveaway also i heard right? yes yes want to tell our listeners what's uh, what's Absolutely. coming so we are going to be giving away a hoverboard so this is an unrevealed hoverboard basically so you know uh, whoever wins the giveaway 
gets the hoverboard prior to the reveal, so they could also land a rare one. Yeah, yeah, that's so so generous. We really appreciate it. Yeah, that. Yes. really, really excited to participate in whatever's next in your journey. I'm so glad to to meet you here in New York and excited to see the demo tomorrow. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Absolutely. Yeah, man, most Thank definitely. Thank you so much. All right, sweet. So check out our socials for all the details on that giveaway. We'll give you all the ins and outs of how we'll run that contest. We appreciate it. So I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers to make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And remember, we always invite you to co-create and build with us at Edge of NFT. We are unlocking a whole new way to connect and collaborate with us through our own NFT drop, Living Tree NFTs. Through this project, we'll be planting tens of thousands of real trees. This collection is not only a beautiful generative piece of art, but will also be the foundation of everything we do with Edge of NFT and our community for years to come. On top of that, Living Tree holders like you will co-create and participate in our podcast and access exclusive events and killer contests. You'll be frontline for other NFT drops as well as a long, bright future of branching opportunities to come. Get on the whitelist by dropping us a line at contact at edgeofnft.com or tweet at us at edgeofnft and we'll share with you the steps required to get in the mix. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Here, I'm gonna let's, let's have some fun here. Scott Page, let's see if he picks up. Uh oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a good memory. Wow, he'll probably pick up. What if he does not? <laughs> hey, buddy, I have a friend Hello. to introduce you to. Hi, hey, Scott, how's it going? All right, here, let's come, go come over here, here so some quieter. Yeah, yeah. So, right over here. Scott, you're going to be using me to do Oh, no way. What? So, so Scott, this is Asad. Asad is a, is a young, very successful entrepreneur based in LA. And he's an AR, he's, an, he's done amazing things. He's got this, basically this metaverse object called a jetpack and a hoverboard. And, and and they're gonna they're compatible with forty thousand different NFTs. Yeah. That you can basically take your NFT and fly around the metaverse. <laughs> and, and and yeah, man. And uh, I know Scott wanted to be wanted to be here, but he couldn't. And we're doing the hoverboard demo right now. Um, but we interviewed Asad yesterday, and we we're blown away. And during, you know, our Edge Quick Hitters that you love, that you did, yep. he yep. said that is one thing he wants in the world is a piece of Pink Floyd memorabilia. And we ah. said, we think we know the guy that can make this happen. That's amazing. Wow. Oh, my God. Please hook me up. <laughs> I'll give you a hoverboard. <laughs> um, I'll be back in L.A. probably Sunday. But yeah, let's that's uh, so you're based in L.A., right? Josh, where are you coming back or are you staying?
I'm gonna be back in December, so we're gonna do the, we're gonna do a meetup in December. Okay. The memorabilia isn't going anywhere. Okay, great. <laughs> and great. and I might actually do a meetup without you too before <laughs> December, by the way. Just, you can't just wait. You know. All right, all right. But 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 yeah. So he's gonna so he's gonna do a little hoverboard. He's gonna get you a hoverboard, Scott. And um, we've got a hoverboard coming. And um, and these hoverboards are dope as fuck. You're gonna love your hoverboard. <laughs> oh, dude, I can't wait. This is great. Amazing. Thank you, Sam. Here, absolutely. And and you should know that um, there's more collaboration potential with all of us because Scott has a Think X, uh, basically X, living yeah. concept where he's basically did Pink Floyd in real life with augmented reality around it. Yeah. And I think you could blow that the fuck up with what you're doing. Yeah, man. We can definitely talk, man. Let's do we it. Let's talk. Because we're all working together and stuff. And Amazing. Like, we're doing all these live events and things, and we just did one of our dome shows this weekend, and. We're getting ready to do a whole bunch of stuff. So, yeah, Incredible. let's definitely tap in. Because I've got a whole N a Floyd NFT drop that I'm working on right wow. now. It's going to be pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about it, actually. <laughs> so I'd love to all right beautiful all right we're gonna do we're gonna, we're gonna do a picture i'm seeing a dome show coming together with some hoverboards floating around i'm pretty sure it's gonna happen i'm gonna do a little picture smile scott ready all right oh, beautiful amazing amazing all right scott thanks. thanks so much man really appreciate it of course man you got it all right, all right take Cheers. care bye I've ever met, like any piece of trivia. I, I, I knew you'd pick up for me. No, that's amazing, dude. Wow. I'm going to exchange a hoverboard for So, can I ask, what, like, when, when did you get exposed to Pink Floyd first, and why did you become such a big fan? Um, like, uh, you know, it's like my dad. Do you mind if I'm recording this a little bit? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, my dad. You Your know, dad like was often, a big fan. Yeah, like, my dad was a big Pink Floyd fan, and... You know, like I, I got super into Pink Floyd over time, and my love has only increased over time. You know, honestly, that's uh, I saw the Wall live in Amsterdam when Roger Waters was doing the big shows, and you know, I can tell you every pedal Gilmore plays on every song kind of scenario. You know, so I'm like pretty, pretty deep into it.